Welcome to She is Resilient, a podcast for women on their healing journeys who are ready to start living their most authentic and empowered lives outside of survival mode. I'm your host, Tatiana, trauma and somatic therapist, as well as a holistic coach, and I'm on a mission to help more women heal their nervous systems. Each week, me and my guests are going to get real and vulnerable about the experiences that led us to becoming the empowered and resilient women we are today. You'll leave this podcast with the skills, knowledge, and inspiration to start creating the life you deserve. Because if another woman can do it, so can you. Welcome to another episode of She is Resilient. Today we have our very first guest, Flaca. Flaca, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us who you are? Yeah, so my name is Janet Guadalupe Martinez Aguilar, and I share my official name for a few reasons every time. Um, just because Janet is my way of letting folks know that I've adopted the American way because technically my name is Janet. And then Guadalupe is very important to me because it gives you a glimpse of I am a faith person. So La Virgencita de Guadalupe is something that someone that I feel very strongly about in my faith. And then, of course, Martinez Aguilar and um, our Latin American cultures, we tend to keep both last names of our parents. Um, so that just gives you an insight that I am an immigrant um, and I was born in Mexico. But as you know, um, people call me Flaca or my community um, refers to me to as Flaca. And that means slim um, in Spanish, but it actually didn't start because of slim. And we can get into that later if you like, but um, it's actually for I'm a rapper as well. So I'm into rap music. Yeah, so cool. Thank you for sharing that with us. So what do you do for a living? Um, so I have been in the human resources field for over a decade now. I want to say this is my 11th um, year or going on to 11th in 2024. And I really enjoy some parts of HR uh, more than others. So I really enjoy the training and development. That's my, just the steak and potatoes, um, because I really get to watch people really develop into who they truly are. And I have been in the first in my family to accomplish many, many things, um, and so for a living, going through some really tough things in life, now I am a career coach or I'm actually trying to like rephrase that because career coaching gets interpreted as like resume building. And that is not what I'm trying to do. What I'm okay. trying to do is really help people discover who they really are and get into a workplace or a business or really find their calling to be able to change their generations to come. I love that. Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, so this podcast is all about getting real and vulnerable about the struggles that we've overcome that led us to become the women that we are, the empowered women that we are today. So I'm curious to know more about some of your struggles that you overcame that led you to become this version of yourself. Oh my gosh. Okay, Th this is like... um. I, I, as I was reflecting on this question, I'm like, there's just so much, you know, yeah. I just feel like there's not really a way to really condense it into one conversation, but I think I can point out a few things. So growing up, 
Um, actually, I, I'll retract a little bit. When I was in Mexico, I feel like I was a very shy, timid, sweet little girl. I would not even say one cuss word, Tatiana, like nothing. <laughs> I remember there was a tia who was like, te doy 500 pesos. Si le dices hijo de tu something oh of one of my uncles. And I was like, no. And I was like in tears. Then fast forward, I'm five years old. We crossed the border and I don't know what America did to me, but that shy, sweet little thing was like, I can't be that in America. So I became a very like stubborn, um, mm -hmm. protective of myself, of my family, of just everyone around me, like even my cousins, my friends, like just my community. If you looked like me, I was always like watching what other people were saying or doing to you um, mm. ever since I was a little girl. And I want to say it started because I am an immigrant and it made me feel very responsible um, where it was always told to me, like, you know, you have to follow the rules. You can't be calling attention. And I didn't know what that really meant until you fast forward um, into high school. And I give, get given the opportunity to interview for a local newspaper here in my city of Duncanville. And I was, I want to say a junior in high school. And they asked me for my social security number. Mm. And being an immigrant undocumented, I did not have one. So I remember coming home, talking to my parents about this opportunity. And they're like, you cannot go back. Yeah. You have to make something else up to your teacher. You better tell her you don't want the job. You better tell her you want to move classes again, like figure it out. But you cannot tell her what we told you. Wow. Okay. So you had this opportunity and then you went home and told your mom about it. And then your mom was like, no, you can't do this. Yeah. And I really wanted to, Tatiana. Like I wanted to do that so bad because I was like, this is amazing. Like I had never heard of anybody doing anything like that in my family or in my community or just, I had never heard of such a thing. So I was like, Oh, I want to do this. Like, why can't I do this? And then it just clicked that. I didn't know if I was going to have a future, you know, like I was like, what, what am I going to do? There, there's nothing out here. Then if I can't even work for a newspaper, you know, and it was like a digital newspaper, just so, you know, I'm in that age. I'm not in the, like the website was going to be, the newspaper was online. Yeah. Um, and I just, then I started, I remember after that, I was like, okay, maybe like, I don't have to do that. Maybe I can do other things. So then I get into dancing. Like I start trying to dance in school, in high school. And then my parents are like, we can't afford this. You can't go on these road trips. What if they have an immigration check-in? And I'm just like, okay, that was the last straw. I was like, forget this. I don't want to try this anymore. And throughout high school, I just started skipping a lot. Mm -hmm. I was like, why am I going to school for? Like, what, what is all of this? It's pointless. Like, I'm not learning anything. And even if I do learn, I can't do anything with it. So I got truancy. Mm -hmm. And... My truancy, the last judge that I had um, looked at me and he said, I remember his words, uh, something similar to this, was like, you realize that your punishment is different from the others? Do you realize that once I place you in juvie, there could be other consequences for you? Because mm -hmm. I see here, we don't have a number to register you with, which meant no social security, which meant immigration was going to look into me which meant yeah. I would I could get an ice hold because I was 16 going on 17. So I could technically be an adult. 
um, by then. So it was, I guess at that moment, it hit me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm different. I'm not like the rest of these kids sitting at these benches just being bad and going to juvie. Like, yeah. I'm going to get deported. I'm going to, my family, like, what's my family going to do? Mm-hmm. What are what are my friends going to think? What are just all of that? And then um, uh, along with all of that, I think it was just for who I am now, my family all had their different things going on. So mm-hmm. my brother was a teen parent. My dad was an alcoholic. He would go missing on Friday nights and we wouldn't know anything about him until maybe Sunday morning and Mm -hmm. my mom was just constantly working my mom was just trying to make ends meet and just trying to figure it out and keep her eyes on her kids Mm -hmm. and then after that fast forward I meet a teacher she's Mm -hmm. like or the teacher that actually got me the internship at the newspaper she's like I don't understand why you're getting into all this trouble Mm -hmm. you were you know someone that was very determined and responsible before that interview what happened Mm. and I remember being terrified of telling her because I was like my mom literally told me don't tell anybody but I took a risk and I was like well I mean the court already told me I'm not regular (laughs) so I was like well I'm not normal I remember saying it like that and she was like oh, do you have a disability? And I was like, I don't think it's a disability. And she was like, confused. And she was like, could you elaborate? And then I was like, can I trust you? And she was like, um, I, I, I want you to, like, that's part of my job for my students to trust me. And I said, well, um, I don't have papers. And she looked at me, she was like, well, what, what does that mean? And I just remember, I was like, I don't really know, but my parents told me I don't have papers. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, so you're illegal. And that's the first time I heard that word. And it felt so like painful because I'm like, illegal goes with criminal. Totally. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't do anything. I mean, other than skip school, (laughs) you know, so I was like, um, no, I don't, I don't think I'm illegal. I was like, I just don't have the social security number. And she was like, oh, wait, I heard something about that on the news. And then she like gets on Google. Thankfully, there was already Google. She gets on Google and then she was like, oh, have you heard of this program called DACA? And Mm -hmm. you can apply for it, apparently. And the president's thinking about signing something or doing something for young people. And I was like, what? And I go home and my parents, again, are livid because I'm like, hey, did y'all know about DACA? And mm-hmm. my parents are like, yes, and you're not applying. And I was mm-hmm. like, why not? And they're like, because the government's going to get your information. And what happens when they're done with y'all? They're going to come pick you up and send you back. And I was like, wait, wait, I'm so confused. So like, they're trying to help us. But now you're telling me they're going to hurt me. Totally. So you're kind of stuck in between these two worlds where your teacher is over here saying that there is an opportunity for you and she could help you. And then your parents are saying, don't do anything. Don't get involved because it could possibly hurt you. Yeah. So I just remember being like, I guess I can trust my teacher because she wants to help me. And then I remember because I couldn't, my parents couldn't afford the court fines. 
they were like, you need to work. You're going to work while you're in school, while you're in high school, because you need to pay your fines because you can't go to jail and we can't help pay. We're going to try our best, but we need your help and we can't have you go to jail. So I was like, okay, where am I going to work? And I just remember my mom like riding around with me and stopping at like Jack, Cesar Tacos, Wingstop, all these fast food places and was like, can, can you hire my daughter? We just need to get her paid cash and we just need her to make this much the fine, the ticket. And I, I think it was like $3,000 or something. And um, we got lucky or very blessed at the, um, there's a mall here in Dallas um, that used to be called Redbird or Southwest Center Mall. And a guy there that worked at a hip hop clothing store or owned a hip hop clothing store, he was like, I'll take her. Let me show her what it's going to be like if she doesn't finish high school. She's going to have to work these kind of jobs anyway. So yeah, she needs to learn. And he he didn't even go about it as like to pay her. It was more like teaching me that life lesson, which I'm totally. very grateful yeah. to this man about yeah. uh, or for. I start working there that it opened up my mind to like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I cannot sit here and fold clothes the rest of my life. Nothing against retail whatsoever. I commend yeah. them, but I just didn't have the attitude to deal with angry people. So I remember going back to school. Then I talked to that same teacher and I said, I've been working. That's why I haven't been coming to class. I finally paid the ticket. And I really want to see if I can do something with computers without papers. Mm-hmm. And she was like, uh, I was doing some research, bless her heart. And she was like, in Texas, there is in-state tuition. You can go to school regardless of your legal status. And I was like, Really? And she's like, yes, like, go get a degree and then figure it out. But I'm sure, like, there's got to be some kind of immigration help later on. But right now, focus on getting into a school. Let's make mm-hmm. that make this our focus. Mm-hmm. And I remember she, like, sat down with me. She got my GPA stuff. She, she told me about the ACT the mm-hmm. same weekend the last one was happening, Tatiana. Oh, my I had goodness. no idea what the ACT was, the SAT, wow. all of this T's. I had no <laughs> idea. Um, she schedules me for the ACT at a private Catholic high school. Fast forward, I get into school. I get a couple scholarships. I'm able to like get in there. Like I, I wanted everything else that came with the experience. So I kept working and going to school and being Mm -hmm. a first generation college student. No one told me that full time is actually four classes and not eight classes. Mm -hmm. So I end up taking eight classes while I'm working full-time in a degree that I was not to meant, meant to be in. I did not start off as HR. I started off in information technology, wow. programming, developing, all of that. It was not my T. I ended up with a 1.4 GPA. Okay. I was done for. I was like, yep, this isn't for me either. I guess I'm just going to work at Cesar Tacos the rest of my life. Like, it is what it is. Like, I'll just eat free tacos I don't know you know (laughs) and I remember like coming home one day and my dad put on a frame the acceptance letter of the of UNT Dallas which is where I went to school Mm -hmm. and it just kind of hit me like oh I can't tell them I'm a dropout that's not like for the first time he was home on a Friday Mm -hmm. I was not gonna do that to him because then he'd go missing again next weekend (laughs) So I was like, oh man, black eye or Janet, you gotta get your stuff together, girl. So I was like, okay, let me go have a conversation 
with somebody at that school. Like somebody's got to help me. I got to find like somebody like a Miss Burnap. That was my high school uh, Mm -hmm. teacher. I was like, somebody's got to be Miss Burnap over on this school. Mm-hmm. And I just kept asking and looking and asking and looking. Finally, I get an appointment with the advisor at school. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, yeah, you're feeling pretty bad. You're going to go on academic probation. And doesn't mean that you have to drop out, but you're going to have to work really hard and all these things. And then he was like, is it the degree or is it the teachers? Like, what is it? And I was like, honestly, I'm not feeling it with this IT degree. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, let's talk about what you like to do. Or what is it that you do now? And I walked him through, you know, I was working at a hip hop clothing store and at the wing place at Wingstop. And I was like, I like talking to people, but I don't like the way that they talk to me. Like, I want to have control of the conversation. And he was like, oh, okay. I was like, I like helping them, but I want to be in control how I help them. Uh So he was like, okay, I have a little bit of options for that. Would you like to be a teacher? And I was like, no, absolutely not. Because I'm actually, I call myself the progressive Catholic catechist. Mm -hmm. I've been doing that or catechism since I was 17 at my Mm -hmm. church. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if I can only deal with them on Sundays for an hour, I could not deal with them five days a week. Like it's just (laughs) not happening. And Uh he says, what about HR? And Mm -hmm. I'm clueless as to what this is. Mm -hmm. I'm like... HR what is that and he's like human resources and I was like what what do they do and he said you know most of the time in companies or organizations your human resources department is the one that handles a lot of the benefits for the employees from their medical to their salary to their positions to their training and I was like really and he was like yeah a lot of people say you know the director the CEO is the boss but it's really the HR director And I was Mm -hmm. like, interesting. Mm -hmm. I want to be the boss. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's like, well, you could also do HSML or human services management and leadership. And that's Mm -hmm. working with nonprofits. And it really came down for me, Tatiana, to the money. Mm -hmm. Because again, I made myself very responsible for my family at Mm -hmm. a very young age. Since I was Mm -hmm. the first to learn English, I was the first to learn just how to read, write, and so many things. And uh, I looked at the money and the CEO of a nonprofit made what an HR manager makes. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, let's go with HR. Uh And then we look at the classes and the classes in the HR degree were everywhere. Like Mm -hmm. it was operations management. There was some psychology. There was recruitment. There was business law. There was finance. It was just everything. So I remember I started taking recruiting talent um, and recruitment and then business law and operation management my first semester when I transitioned and I just fell in love with it. So fast forward, I get into HR. Um, I get into one of the biggest global organizations, Del Monte Fresh Produce. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm like, I'm going to retire to this place. Mm-hmm. COVID hits. Well, before that, like I get pregnant, I have a C-section, not the best um, pregnancy. It was not fun. I was super tiny and my child was almost born. He was born eight pounds, 13 ounces. Wow. So they kept checking for twins up in there oh. um, because they were like, you're, you're huge. Something's happening. But he was just big. Um, so I end up uh, 2019. I have my first pregnancy with my son and then CJ. And then um, fast forward COVID hits. 
Mm -hmm. Del Monte or the company's like, hey, we we gotta make some changes. They're like, you want to move to Florida, and I'm like, heck no. I again, I'm responsible for my family, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and then I end up finding another job closer to home, and really enjoy that. But it just something was not right. Still, something yeah. was like not it. So then I'm like, maybe I need more of a challenge. I moved to a smaller organization. And then I move into a bigger organization where they are the leading U.S. manufacturer of pet products in the United States. And mm -hmm. they have distribution, manufacturing, transportation, everything you can think of in that um, field. Mm -hmm. I oversaw for seven locations. So wow. I was traveling. I had a team. I was making the six figures. Like I was just go, 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 go. And mm -hmm. it was a very comfortable point in the life of my family. It was yeah. a huge blessing. Uh -huh. Then um, fast forward, October of 2022, I get pregnant for a second time. And I'm working that very hard, busy job, not flexible. Work-life balance was not existent there. Mm -hmm. And I go through the pregnancy. I go to the first OB. Everything's fine, according to them. And I measure, I was supposed to be eight weeks. I measure six weeks. Mm -hmm. And I asked the OB, like, why would that be? Because my son, I was eight weeks and I was actually measuring like 11 weeks or something because like, he was huge. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I guess I have big babies. So this was a complete different experience and it was nerve wracking. Mm -hmm. And um, fast forward or there, I asked the OB and I'm like, what's going on? And she said, well, you probably don't know, uh, your ovulation correctly you know maybe you're counting off days or weeks and I was like no we've been religiously trying to get pregnant again because we wanted our kids to have flows uh not a big gap in between them mm -hmm. um especially with CJ being autistic we really mm -hmm. wanted that partner for him to be able to you know you see all these shows where like special needs siblings need that you know neurotypical sibling to be like yeah. uh their backup right totally. yeah so we were like, we want to, we want to. So I was like, no, I know when my period's coming. Like, I know, like, my days. I, I know that. Um, And so I didn't like that answer. I looked for another OB. Two weeks later, we get into a different OB. And we get into the ultrasound room. And there's um, no longer a heartbeat. Mm. And the baby was measuring still. Um at the six weeks yeah so god knows how long i carried my baby that way um and i was in shock first then i was really angry mm -hmm. i don't remember what else i know that i couldn't see for like a split second my vision was gone like i literally just saw black yeah. i think my pressure went down it was just very hard and of i couldn't course. stop crying yeah of course this is one of the hardest things that I imagine anyone could experience and I'm really sorry that you went through that and I just want to check in with you and as you're talking about it, I, I'm curious to know what's coming up for you. Yeah, um, I'm really happy that I went to, I think God works in beautiful ways and I think about an hour ago, if we would have had this conversation, I would be in tears. Yeah. Um, but I think the fact that I talked to that chiropractor today 
and she did all kinds of stuff <laughs> um really helped out yeah 1000 percent. and i wonder if that's something that you could share with us how you were able to heal from something so traumatic like this and how you were able to build the capacity in your nervous system to be able to talk about this i actually was already going to therapy because i had a lot of grief that happened i think many of us lost many important significant people in our lives during the pandemic so mm -hmm. I started going to therapy because I lost all the special men in my life except for my dad and my brother and my husband but all mm -hmm. my uncles a lot of them passed my my most loving amazing grandfather passed and I started getting chest pains before then before mm -hmm. the miscarriage and I felt like I was having heart attacks I could not sleep mm -hmm. I was throwing up everything um, I got colitis it was all kinds of like things going on in my stomach that mm -hmm. no one could explain to me what was going on. And then I remember one of the last times I ended up in the ER because of my chest pain, mm -hmm. they told me to seek out um, therapy. Mm -hmm. So fast forward, I start going to therapy, miscarriage happens. And immediately I knew I need to call um, my therapist. Mm -hmm. I just I, after we got done with the conversation and everything at home, um, called my therapist and she was like, I need to see you like mm -hmm. tomorrow because everything we did for the miscarriage at home, um, we uh, then Monday, she was like, it was a Sunday when everything. So doctor visit was Friday. Everything happened at home on Sunday. And then Monday, my therapist was like, I need you here. Like we're, mm -hmm. we're going to have a session. Mm hmm. And it was, I think, one of the most brave, like the most brave thing that I did because I didn't want to get out of bed. And, you know, a lot of people think there's like they, they talk to me about my problem with Coca-Cola, but they don't understand Coca-Cola saved my life. That mm -hmm. was the only thing that I could eat or drink that entire time. Mm -hmm. I my body was not tolerating anything else. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was it. So. Yeah. I just remember like I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't I couldn't even drink anything. I couldn't even look up. I couldn't do anything. They um I'm sorry. Mhm. Mm yeah. And I'll just invite you to check in with yourself, take your time. I know that this isn't an easy topic to have and to talk about and I appreciate you sharing this with us. So just taking your time. Yeah, cuz I couldn't even walk. Yeah. to the car uh -huh. it was hard I didn't mm -hmm. I didn't want to live Tatiana like I didn't I didn't feel like that what what am I here for not my baby mm -hmm. yeah. but I do have my other baby and mm -hmm. you know I I needed to fight for him and again since we crossed that border I'm I feel very responsible for my family yeah. to be their advocate to have their back um so therapy got me through so much. Yeah. And then it didn't stop there. She said, motivate yourself, journal, mm -hmm. journal your thoughts, wake up and be grateful, not mm -hmm. for the big things in your life or people in your life, but what are you grateful for the small things, right? So it started off with Coke. Like I was like, <laughs> I get Coca-Cola doesn't support the most wonderful causes, but <laughs> it saved my life. Uh, the yeah. color blue, it reminds me that we can all be royalty. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, the flowers outside, the wind. Like, it was just, she started making me reflect on the small things in life to be grateful. Fast forward, I'm trying all these things, right? I'm, like, reflecting on my Bible. I'm listening to the podcast. I'm trying to exercise. I'm drinking more water. I'm doing self-care. Like, I'm trying to get my nails on. I'm doing my hair. I'm doing my eyebrows. Like, I'm like, okay, I got to uplift myself. I'm spending more time with family. I get back into the things that I love doing, like volunteering. And um, the pain was obvious. It's still there. It's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but something really odd started happening in my body to where now not only was my chest hurting, but mm-hmm. like the back of my neck was hurting. Sometimes my legs would give out. Mm-hmm. I would get really dizzy. Uh, my period, my cycle was acting up. Like I would get it two months and then I wouldn't get it another month. It was just very wonkers. Um, And then there was a very specific day that I think really triggered me. And I Mm -hmm. tried to take my life. Mm -hmm. And my family was like, you need something else. They -hmm. called my therapist and my therapist said, yeah, it's time to escalate. Now we need to find a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. and so I go visit a psychiatrist and again very stubborn I'm like I'm not talking to any psychiatrist she better be Latina she better speak Spanish she better she better be nice she better like the color blue so I'm so happy you're wearing blue today because that helps me feel better uh- <laughs> oh, that's hilarious so my husband just really showed me how much he has my back because he found her he mm-hmm found a Latina who wears blue, who, who's Catholic, who's a psychiatrist. It was, everything worked out. I meet her and we start talking medication. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was very closed off to that, Mm -hmm. to be completely like open. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I'm better than this. I'm stronger Mm -hmm. than this. I don't want to do this. I can, I can handle it. And she was like, let's just try for a week. Let's Mm -hmm. just one week. Let's see what it does for you. Um, I started it and it just changed my life and just getting reassurance of like, listen to your body, Flaca. Mm -hmm. It's been very important to surround myself with people like you to Mm -hmm. remind me of like, it's okay. Like you don't have to be responsible all the time. Absolutely. Yes. I love that so much. And I just want to say Flaca I'm so glad that the suicide attempt didn't work out because if it did, you wouldn't be here and I wouldn't have gotten to meet the wonderful, amazing, resilient person that you are. So thank you for being here and what a gift you're giving to all of us by simply being alive. And I know that you sharing about your struggles and you being so open and vulnerable is really going to help so many people listening to this podcast and there are people who are really going to resonate with your story and I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing that with us. And so you are clearly someone who is so resilient and you have overcome so many struggles. And so I'm curious to know, what would you tell someone who has similar experiences as you, who maybe is an immigrant or who has had a miscarriage or who has 
had suicidal thoughts or is currently having suicidal thoughts, what are your suggestions around resiliency and how to build that resiliency in your nervous system to overcome these struggles? For me, it was very important to be selfish, as horrible as that sounds, and really get to know yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think that I knew myself. I thought that my my power and my love and everything was my mother. Mm-hmm. And when my mother couldn't save me from the chest pains and my mother couldn't take away the suicidal thoughts and my mother couldn't save my baby, it's me, myself, and I. And I had to really figure out what helps me. And mm-hmm really being open-minded, I think is another thing, um, to really be just accepting of mm-hmm. hearing others out and especially doing your research on cool. what, what is out there. You know, like I had no idea about the practice that you do, mm-hmm. but watching your videos and sometimes I'm like, like the, like the cold plunges. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Like I literally shower cold every day now. Like I, I take my, oh my showers God. and then I'm just like cold okay, we're good. And I can breathe. And, and it's just like the journaling that we practice through Courage Driven Latina and just finding these small things to do. Well, I take that back. Showering cold is not like fun, but it's something that's helped me. So totally. I have, I have practiced that. Um, it, I think so going back to your questions, like know yourself, yeah. You, you have to give time to yourself, like be kind to yourself, right? Like I never understood what that meant when people would tell me that until I suffered this miscarriage. And I was like, whoa, I'm a, I, I'm a badass. Like I survived this. And now I'm like building a business. I'm a mom. Like I'm, I have to tell myself that every day. I think they call them like affirmations, mm-hmm. like telling myself nice things to myself every day is another thing that I've really adopted because if I don't tell myself then even when others tell me I'm like I don't know because you don't really know me you don't live with me you don't live in this body I have to believe in myself so I think just getting to know yourself and figuring out what works for you and everybody's different you know it's not it's not all gonna work out for everybody yeah like everybody would tell me to exercise and I hate it I can't do that Totally. Yeah. Everybody is different and we have to really figure out what works for us. And I love that you said being open-minded because when we're open-minded, we can really experiment with trying new things and really figuring out what works well for us and what doesn't. That's been the key for me because Mm -hmm. I'll have like weeks where I don't do anything. I'm like, oh, there's a chest pain again. Let's go to the ice. Let's journal again. Let's start all over. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Thank you again, Flaca, for being here. And thank you for being open and vulnerable with us and sharing your story. And I would love for you to share with our audience uh, what you have going on and how people can connect with you if they resonated with you or if they want to work with you how can they connect with you yeah so you can follow me on instagram at hr literally the letter hr dot mommy in spanish so m-a-m-i it's not because i think i'm too hot 
but it's because I'm literally a mom. <laughs> so mommy and mommy, so people understand I speak Spanish. Um, mm-hmm. So hr.mommy on Instagram or hrmommy.com um, is my website. And I have career coaching one-on-one um, right now and really trying to get up and running a group coaching program because I get so many people that reach out for services and it's getting a little bit um, hard to take that one-on-one. Um, so looking forward to starting a group coaching soon. I love that. Okay, so if you resonated with Flaca and you are looking for a career coach, go follow her on Instagram and hire her as your coach. Flaca, thank you so much again for being here. I appreciate you and I will talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you absolutely loved this episode, I would so appreciate it if you subscribed and left a review on Apple Podcast. Or take a screenshot and share this episode on social media. Don't forget to tag me at tatiana.holistic.coach. The more nervous systems we reach, the more generational cycles we break, and the more we contribute to a kinder and safer world. And if you're looking for somatic healing services, send me a DM and I'd love to chat on how I can support you. I'll see you in the next episode.
but my 